Howdy, and welcome to the Aggie Greats podcast. My name is Kenner, and I'm so glad you joined us this week as we dive deep to understand what makes the great great. Here on Aggie Greats, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to live life to the fullest. We're so glad you're along for the journey, so let's pursue greatness. Well, howdy and welcome back to the Aggie Greats podcast. Today we get an opportunity to sit down with one of my best friends and just guys that I absolutely look up to, Sam Lang. Sam has been a part of my life for probably the past two years in a lot of different roles. I think that it's really cool to be able to see the leadership that he's had, not just on campus, but off campus. Absolute weightlifting beast. We call him the quad father for those of you who don't know. But Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Kenner. Fired up to be here, man. Dude, this is awesome. This has been an episode that I've been looking forward to for so long. Something that last night I went to sleep and I was like, it's finally happening. <laughs> we finally get to, to sit down with Sam. One of my favorite questions that I like to ask every guest that comes on the podcast is really like, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Yeah, man. So I was given this piece of advice two years ago. And a friend of mine, a guy that's been mentoring me said that the quality of your life is dependent on the quality of questions you ask. Mm. And I think with chat GPT and social media and just this immediate gratification world and culture we live in, the idea of thinking and learning and asking thought provoking questions is a foreign idea. And what I've found and what I've seen is that the kind of questions you ask are going to dictate the answers you hear and what you Mm. hear from those answers is going to dictate a lot of your learning. And Mm. so I'm always trying to think through How can I become a better question asker? How can I pick the brains of the people who I think ask the best questions? And you'd be shocked to see some of the results. Yeah, I love that. I I totally agree because sometimes we ask questions. One, we avoid questions that we don't want to know the answer to. That's right. right. Uh, But then also we ask questions in ways that oftentimes give us the response that we're looking for. So man, that's that's really good advice. To tie this into what we're trying to do with this episode, Sam and I, for some context, got together a couple weeks ago and we were talking about the difference between legacy and inheritance. And it was something that, you know, I think got put on both of our hearts as a topic that as Aggie greats, as aspiring Aggie greats, it's something that we talk a lot at AM about legacy and about what past Aggies have done. And it's something that as current Aggies and as Aggies who are looking to set an example for others who are just stepping foot on campus for the first time, it's something that we have to be aware of. And those are tough questions that we have to start asking ourselves. So Sam, can you like intro for those who are kind of struggling to understand the difference between legacy and inheritance? Like what do those concepts even mean? Yeah, that's right. So I'd explain it like this. I'd say an inheritance is something you leave for a person, mm. but legacy is something that you leave in a person, right? And so first, we have to understand that leaving an inheritance is very important. Like we don't want to undermine the value or significance of that at all. And and for both of us, like we are the beneficiaries of inheritances that have been left by grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, right? Even God's word, which I love and, and try to read often, Proverbs 13 says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So you see this generational impact mm. that an inheritance can have. So we have to establish that up front. But with that being said, I think legacy often speaks to even more important matters, right? Some of the differences are first, an inheritance is almost always tangible, right? Whether mm. it's money you receive, stocks you're a part of, bonds, real estate, antiques, while those are wonderful, there's a ceiling to it, meaning that it 
its reach is limited and its potential has a capacity to it. And inheritances are often available to some people, but not all. Mm. Like you have to be written in, invited in, whereas with a legacy, there's not a ceiling to it. And it's less tangible and more intangible of things that can be applied on a much larger scale. Mm. Right. So when I'm thinking about my inheritance in college, I graduate in May, not in terms of death, but in terms of graduation. Like when I leave, my inheritance will be some letters I've written, my electric scooter, if anyone's going to buy it, <laughs> some decor that I maybe leave in my room. And that may be available to the next group of residents. That may be available to a few people in the upcoming years, but that'll soon expire, dissolve, be forgotten. And so is that good? Yes, but it's not great. And yeah. as we're talking about Aggie greats, I think good is oftentimes the enemy of great. And we settle. And, mm. and instead of being men, we act as boys. Instead of being mature, we struggle with immaturity. And so as I'm thinking through this, it's okay, what, what do we want to define legacy as, right? I think it's a word that we love talking about, but when it comes to crafting a definition, we struggle with, right? Yeah. So I would define legacy as this, to leave a legacy is to boldly impact others in a way that's reproducible. Mm. Okay, so first off, we have to do it boldly. Like our generation is running from the idea of boldness. Yeah. But if you look at every leader that's gone before us, every character in the Bible who God has used in miraculous ways, they have a life characterized by boldness. Mm. This this unashamed courage, this willingness to count the cost, this eager ambition to do whatever it takes. And so we have to be bold, but we're supposed to boldly impact others. And so mm. then the question is, how do we define impact? Because a lot of us want to leave an impact. We want to create impact in the lives of those we love, but we don't know what it means. And so yeah. the best way I've heard it described and the best way I try to tell other people is that impact is is the nucleus. It's kind of the center of three things, your purpose, your passion, and your place. Mm. So first off, it's your, your your purpose. And your purpose answers the question of who am I? Why, why do I exist? Why am I here? Who am I? Your passion answers the question of what do I love? Where do I think God's gifted me? What do I enjoy doing? What are the, the gifts, the talents, the resources that I believe I've been given to express my purpose through. And then the third question, answering the question of place, is where can I do what I love? Mm. And so you have all three of these, but oftentimes what happens, Kenner, is we we settle for being only a part of two of these areas or one of these areas. So what happens is we get barricaded in the middle. So I have friends who may be in fertile places for impact, but they have no awareness of their passions. Mm. So they're in a prime environment, but they don't know what they love. I've also had interactions with people who have a grip on their purpose and they have a understanding of their passions, but they're in a place that doesn't allow for that. Maybe it's a job they said yes to or an organization they joined and they feel stuck and almost stagnant because the place they're in doesn't help. Yeah. And in the last group, you have people who are full of charisma. They have tons of passions and they have opportunities, places to express that, but they don't have character mm. and they don't understand their purpose yeah. and their reason for being here. And so the combination of these three is where that bold impact can be had, which leads us to the last definition, which is that it's it's to impact others in a way that's reproducible. And what I mean by reproducible is I have to realize coming into college, freshman year, I got in my dorm and I realized, okay, I have four years, eight semesters, 48 months, however you want to call it, to leave a legacy and to impact as many lives as possible. And so I can't build my college experience around myself because I'm gone in, yeah. in the blink of an eye. I mean, God's word says that our lives, not just college, but our lives are vapors. We're a mist that's here and then gone. And so I have to think about, okay, how in my short time here, can I create a culture? Can I live in a way? Can I ask good questions, answer questions, 
live my life in a way that impacts others and doesn't just leave something with them, but way more importantly, leave something in them. Yeah, I love that. I think what's cool about being here at AM is almost like that third P place. It, in a large sense, is creating an environment where we are able to pursue our passions and we are able to pursue our purpose. But, and sometimes I think we come in to, and I hope that you know, whether it's your first time stepping on campus this semester or you've been here for four, five, six, in my case, like 10 semesters, <laughs> you know, if, it, whatever amount of time you spent here at AM, that that each day you're taking steps to maybe have a better understanding of your purpose and a better understanding of what those priorities are that you're placing. Because I will say that when I came in my freshman year to college, I was pursuing things and I didn't really understand the world much yeah. and even like I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to realize I'm going to get slapped in the face by reality and realize that wow there's so much more to life you talk so much about how we have this legacy and we have an inheritance and, and an inheritance is something that your parents are leaving for you or your grand like grandparents are leaving for you what legacy are they leaving for you yeah that's a great question my mom and dad are my best friends. I mean, I love them so much and they have modeled what a healthy marriage looks like. They've modeled what leadership looks like. And more importantly, they've modeled what following Jesus looks like. And I, I credit all of my beginning faith journey to them. And I tell people all the time that my faith wasn't forced by my parents, but it was fueled by them. Mm. And they really wanted that to be a decision that I made between me and the Lord, uh, but they were always encouraging us to get in the word spend time with God, go to church, go to youth group. And so I see how they've led. And I think another way to think about legacy is it's it's twofold. One is whose shoulders am I standing on? Mm. My mom and dad both being individuals in that category. And then who will stand on my shoulders? Like yeah. they've made this insane deposit into my life with time, energy, efforts, resources. When I was 10, I wanted to be an MLB athlete, <laughs> right? I wanted to own my own bakery, which is a weird combination, but they were buying ingredients for me to bake the Baseball with. bakery. <laughs> Yeah, I had a website. It was a bakery business called Sam's Batterette Bakery. No way. And uh, <laughs> it was one of those like dot webs, dot dot com. Like a, it was horrible. Uh, but we, we made money and like 10 bucks back then felt like a thousand dollars now. Oh, yeah. And uh, they championed me on because they loved me. That's awesome. And I think getting to do that with other people is going to be something that I have gotten to do and getting to do and, and look forward to yeah. continuing to do in the future. It's almost like in the cartoons when you have this bomb and you have like the super long wire that starts and it's like sometimes those parents are the spark that yeah. starts the explosion that we see of the love and the passion that you have in the rest of the world. And so often I think whether it's as athletes or as people here on campus, we spend so much time when we think about legacy versus impact, we spend so much time trying to be that the bomb piece of it where we're trying to be the explosion, mm -hmm. the big, bright, flashy mm -hmm. result. Whereas, and I think sometimes when we think about as Aggie greats, so many times people look at the outcome and they don't look at where everything started. Yes. And we want to be that spark that starts the explosion. Rather than spending so much time focusing on trying to be the thing that everybody looks at and they're like, oh my gosh, that was like awesome. That was so bright. That was so big. Nobody looks for the spark. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Obviously that spark started with your parents and continued through your time in high school and in college. I know that one of the most impactful things for you was when you went to Nicaragua. How did that 
kind of continue to fuel that desire to serve and to lead and to leave a legacy. Yes, absolutely. Man, so my church and I, we went down to Nicaragua when I was a junior in high school and God did some amazing things there. And more than anything, he taught me that he loves all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to think that I'm alone in my pursuit of Jesus and I'm the only one with struggles and almost have this individualistic view of Christianity. And then when we flew down to Nicaragua and we saw, man, God has a heart for the nations and it's not America and then everyone else. And he loves us more like he loves them just as much as he loves us. And getting to experience that and to be his hands and feet and to to walk in a way that glorified him uh, has been something that really confirmed the call of ministry onto my life and has has changed my perspective since coming back to the United States of what it looks like to live on mission mm. and and not just with our words, but also with our deeds. Yeah. And to love people, not just with our speech, but also our conduct. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really keep in perspective a lot is when we came into this earth, we came with nothing. And when we leave, we're leaving with nothing. So we spend so much time. And I think in a lot of ways, we get so distracted by trying to build up worldly material wealth, which I think is more of a means to an end in terms of you need that to be able to help other people to pour into people to an extent. Mm -hmm. But if that becomes distracting and that becomes the ultimate goal, we're missing the bigger picture. Yes. And the bigger picture is leaving that legacy. Like you said about that verse in Proverbs, like we're leaving something that not just impacts our next generation, our children, but also our future children and and generations to come. And I think that's what's exciting as Aggies is, and we can see that, you know, 100, 200 years worth of people who have been showing up to this university, making decisions, making changes that we get to either benefit from or we have to deal with. Yeah, And that's something that I really take into perspective and something that those Aggies who fought in World War II, who gave their lives, the ones we talk on Aggie greats a ton about how an Aggie great is oftentimes the 12th man, the unsung hero. It's somebody who I wouldn't even be able to bring onto this podcast, even if we wanted to, because they've given their life in service. And to give your life in service doesn't always mean risking it on a battlefield, but it, it oftentimes means laying it down for, for somebody else and putting the needs of other people above our own. And that's what Literally, we think about the core values here at AM. Selfless service is one of those core values. Yes. And I think that's integral to this idea of leaving a legacy. 100%. And we've we've believed the lie that leadership and service are are separable, mm. but they're not. Yeah. If, if I'm saying I'm leading and my life is not categorized by a service to my followers, that's not leadership. Mm. Right. And so I think what you see in the core values is a beautiful display and embodiment of what a leader looks like who didn't care about the platform or the stage, but who, who lived a life devoted to something bigger than themselves, who we now reap the benefits from not even knowing it. Yeah. I love that. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think another thing, what, you know, what's cool about our relationship and what kind of maybe brought us together in the first place is we both love fitness. It's something that's super central to our lives. And I know that Tanner has the physique of a Greek god. (laughs) There's only one god, (laughs) but he looked like a Greek god. No, but we're talking about the quad father himself. But what's cool is that we united over fitness, and sometimes fitness and sports can become somewhat of an idol where 
we judge who we are and what we think about ourselves on how well we do. For me, sometimes I think about how good I am based on whether or not I make a tennis ball over the net multiple times. And when you look at it in that perspective, it, it's kind of silly. But in reality, we, we tie our, our value and our worth to so many different things. One of the things that's been super encouraging watching your story and watching your journey is one, how you use fitness to pour in other people and to guide people. And one of the things that I was interested in asking is you do some ridiculous fitness challenges. You do some crazy stuff. What is it about doing hard things that drives you and why, why do you do hard things? Like, yeah. Why do you challenge yourself in that way? I appreciate you asking. Two years ago, I did my first fitness challenge and we woke up one day and just biked 100 miles. And during that day, there's there's a quote that I'll never forget that I heard and that I've shared with so many people. And it's this, that if dependence is the goal, suffering is our advantage. Mm. And I say that because I had to come to this realization of I was born with two healthy arms, two healthy legs, a functioning heart. And I did nothing to deserve that. Mm. I wasn't in my mom's womb like, hey, make sure everything's going to work. <laughs> yeah. I, I woke up to that. And I think that exercising our bodies and, and challenging ourselves with physical activity and rigorous training is, is a way of saying thank you to the one who formed us mm. and to the one who gifted us with this body. The Bible says that our bodies are temples, that we were bought with our, a price and that we're not our own. So I'm the operator, but not the owner mm. of my body. And as a Christian, if, if we believe what the Bible says, that the spirit of God lives within us, the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I treating my body like God lives in it? Mm. because he does. Yeah. And so people always ask, why do you do these things? And, and we tell them that. And we've done some awesome stuff. We've gone walking for 24 hours straight. We stairmastered for 12 hours. We burpeed a 5K. Three days ago, we ran a half marathon in a suit. Yep. And people ask all the time. And it's an amazing opportunity to share the gospel with them, the good news with them. And this April in, in the Spirit Magazine for the Texas A&M Foundation, I'm getting to talk and write an article about three lessons that that 24-hour walk taught me. And it's been so cool That's to see so how cool. even the Aggie family has seen our work and seen what we've set out to do. And hopefully that leaves a legacy too, yeah. that, that people and alumni who have made a and better realize that we walked for 24 hours on the campus that they've made a financial investment in, yeah. which is so cool. I love that. One of the coolest things about that is as athletes, as people who are progressively pushing ourselves each day. The goal is that I'm able to beat yesterday's self and then the next day I can beat this self before. And so often we, you know, comparison is a huge thief of joy in a lot of ways. And I find that if you're comparing yourself to who you were yesterday, I think that's a, such a more equitable way of judging performance and judging growth. Because if you start comparing yourself to other people, you're comparing apples and oranges, which yeah. are, it's just not easy to compare those two. But one of the quotes that really stood out to me, and it's from Warren Buffett, who's one of the best investors, and he said, someone's sitting in the shade today because somebody planted a tree a long time ago. That's good. And I think that kind of encapsulates what we're talking about with this idea of leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy isn't necessarily about uh, going to a plant shop and bringing it over in a big excavator and sticking it in the ground and like, look what I did. But yeah. it's actually taking that seed and planting it mm -hmm. and then faithfully watering it and faithfully growing it. And that takes form in a lot of different ways. First, in order to be able to lead other people, you have to lead yourself. But also 
that leadership, once you're able to continue to grow into yourself and pour into yourself, we talk about how you have to pour into yourself before you can pour into others. But once you start pouring, but, but so many people stop at pouring into themselves and it's everything's a very self-centered, self-focused goal of I'm going to make sure I'm doing fine. And then that's fine. You know, it's like, all I can focus on is protecting myself. We talk about pouring to others. You spend a lot of time doing that with discipleship. You obviously started the the Bible and the boys group a while ago. Talk about the importance when we talk about legacy. How important is discipleship in that? And I guess maybe what does discipleship even mean? Yeah. So the discipleship has both religious and non-religious connotations to it, right? In a in a secular sense, it's simply teaching someone something, right? Mm-hmm. And in a in a Christian sense, I think it's similar, but there's more of an intentionality to it modeled in the life of Jesus. And so we see Jesus who is fully man, fully God, and he could have chose any type of leadership dynamic. He could have crafted any sort of leadership dichotomy and structure, and yet he chose 12 men to change the world with. Mm. He didn't go pick a thousand. He didn't go attract and try to speak to the biggest crowds possible. He said, follow me. And these men were bold. Again, they dropped their nets and they followed him, and he used them to change the world. And so we are benefiting off of the legacy that guys 2,000 years ago started. And so for me, when the Bible says go and make disciples, that's a commandment. It's not good advice or a suggestion or only if you have time. Like That has to be a priority in my life. And so as I think about my time at AM, I've seen God change and transform more lives at the MSC than at any church service, any big gathering, any conference, because something happens when you walk side by side with someone and when you impart the wisdom that you've learned onto them and then tell them to do the same. One of my first and favorite verses I ever memorized was 2 Timothy 2.2. It's an easy one to remember. Mm -hmm. And, And Paul says, what you, Timothy, have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who can teach others also. So if you do the math, Paul's just talked about four generations that have been impacted by his simple act of obedience. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening, you're like, man, how do I impact college station? How do I make a difference in the world? You start with one person. And then you tell that one person to do with one other person what you did to them. And you'll look up in a decade and you would be shocked at the amount of people you've reached through reaching one person. And so if Jesus did it, who, by the way, was the best leader and had his own podcast probably, he lays out the framework for us and the blueprint for us. And so why would I try to reinvent the wheel from the one who created me and has shown me what it looks like to be a leader? Yeah. And I think it's cool to give another visual for that. You know, we talk about that multi-generational impact, which directly ties into this idea of legacy. But I like to think about it as kind of a ripple effect. And you have one drop and it keeps radiating out and out and out and further and further and further. And I think that ties into the scripture that talks about how like go therefore and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I think we take that verse and, you know, we we take that from the Bible, but we can also learn a lot from what that looks like in terms of the impact that we have needs to not just stay within our circle of comfort and our circle of influence so often we talk about how easy it is to just be really comfortable with our little circle, with our little people living in this little Christian bubble. Like it's so easy to just be complacent. And a lot of the growth, a lot of that ripple effect 
gets limited when we limit ourselves to just our little comfort zone. And a lot of that legacy, a lot of that growth, one of the coolest things about A&M is that there are people literally from all over the world here on our campus. But so often we're walking around campus and we ignore all people, right? And we, and we are so distracted. We have our AirPods in and we're, you know, I'm biking around and I'm guilty of this, you know, I'm biking around and I'm comfortable with the people in my classes and I ignore everybody else in the building and the legacy and the impact that you can have on somebody, whether it's just from a small smile or just from helping somebody when they drop something that makes a huge impact. And, and don't lose sight of the fact that the seeds that you plant are not suddenly sprouting out of the ground Yeah, because you're in it. It's the long game. Yeah. Yeah. And that legacy isn't something where we, as a society, I think one of the biggest things we struggle with is we have a need for uh, instant gratification. I want to see the results instantly. I want to see exactly what happened in real time. You know, we have real time replays in sports now where we can just go back five seconds ago and look at exactly what happened. And I think when we think about legacy, it's the complete opposite of that. You're not going to necessarily see the you know, we talk about that Warren Buffett quote, you're not necessarily going to be able to enjoy the shade from a tree that you planted Mm -hmm. and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And so I think having that long-term focus and recognizing in the same way that your parents invested in you and loved on you. And from the second that you were born, they picked you up and they held you and they cared for you. And I think like those investments, now they can see that over 20 years later, but it takes time to be able to see that and to see that fruit. And I know that you've obviously, you're kind of the middle child with Lily and Will. How have they poured into you and impacted your idea of legacy? Yeah, 100%. I think my brother, who's two years older and and we're best friends as well, he set a tone in his college experience for me to follow. And then I took that upon myself and tried to set a tone and lay out an example for my little sister to follow. And so it's been really cool to see how we've each grown from each other and grown because of each other. And then one other piece about my my dad, we got to start a ministry four years ago called Rooftop Christmas, mm. which is just a student-led, outreach-oriented, gospel-driven event that meets on campus at Aggie Park. And my dad got to come for the first time this year. And we had over 2,000 students pull up, and it was my favorite day of college. And afterwards, he came up to me and he said, I walked to class over this grass field every single day back in the 90s. And tonight was sitting in that same spot listening to my son, who's now an Aggie, <laughs> talk about the God who he had just fallen in love with when he had gotten to college. How cool is that? And we were both just teary-eyed. And then I told him, let's have it happen again with my son. Yeah. And that would just be so cool to see in you know, however many years that is uh, for my next generation to be a part of the story that God's writing. Gosh, I love that. That's awesome. I think that legacy gets left both from like the successes and failures. I have a lot of ammunition for this podcast because I've messed up a lot. And a lot of the goal and the focus behind us sharing this isn't that we have it all figured out or that we're perfect, but it's actually that we have fallen and tried to pick ourselves up again and then fallen again in this search of how do we continue to move forward. So really the heart of this podcast and Hopefully, when you listen to this episode, it's not like, oh, Kenner and Sam have it all figured out because we don't. It's hopefully that, hey, we're just another mouse trying to tell you where we found the cheese. We're trying to help you avoid some of the pitfalls that we've fallen into. And 
one of the things that, you know, you and I were prepping for this episode a couple weeks ago, and we were using this analogy of the hungry baker. First of all, maybe explain explain yeah. that story and how does that maybe tie into our heart behind not just leaving an inheritance, but also a legacy? Yeah. So one thing I try to tell people often, and one thing that was told to me that convicted me is they, they said, beware the risks of becoming a starved baker. And their point in saying that was as leaders, when you are serving in a certain capacity, it's so easy to get so caught up in them and feeding them and being their shepherd that you forget to eat and how there's this dichotomy where we can be really effective, but also really unhealthy. And it ends up running us into the ground. And so Kenner's exactly right. Do not listen to this and think that we figured it out. Uh, We have failed often and we could do a whole series on <laughs> leadership pitfalls in the longest episode ever <laughs> areas where we've screwed up and i think also that's that's a cool piece about the gospel is that's exactly why jesus came mm-hmm. because guys like kenner and i had failed and we had screwed up and we had missed the mark that god initially intended but because of grace being given what we don't deserve we're able to be forgiven from that and so the reason we're able to deal with our failures is because they're not final yeah. And as as we look ahead at our lives being short, and as we think about what's to come, like death doesn't have to scare us, yeah, because we know that that's the doorway into eternal life with Jesus. And so, all that to say, as we're thinking about that quote of of be wearing the risk of becoming a starved baker, we have to eat, but that eating has to overflow into a feeding of others. Mm. And and I tell people all the time that the best leaders of others are the best followers of Jesus because he's the well that never runs dry. And so when people come to us in need, we have a surplus of our time with him to give to them. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that I like about this podcast is it's cool because you can go back and listen to episodes. What is something, you know, you talked about how your dad was walking across the field in the nineties. What do you hope that five, 10, 20 years from now, what do you hope when your if your future kids ever listen to this episode, what legacy do you hope that you're leaving for them? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a good question. I think simple answer. I want to leave a legacy that's defined by loving Jesus and loving people. And, and that, that sounds simple, but even in the new Testament, Jesus says that the whole law can be summed up into that loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and loving our neighbor as ourself. And, and when we think about the golden rule, it's so cliche, but we are so bad at it. Yeah. The amount of times I I treat people differently than how I want to be treated is absurd. Mm. And it's embarrassing. And so one thing I like to think of is, okay, if if I were Jesus, how would I treat this person? And then the second question is, if they were Jesus, how would I treat this person? Mm. And that really <laughs> changes yeah. your decision-making patterns and uh, how you interact with people and talk about people. And so that's my simple answer. There's a lot of complexities beneath that, but but I hope that when I graduate and when I come back to AM and when I talk about AM, I can see it and people can describe it as a place in which they felt loved by me and that they could see my love for the one that made me. Mm, that's awesome. Who would you say has planted those seeds that you're now being able to rest in the shade of? Is there somebody in your life? I know you. we talked about your parents. I know we talked about your siblings. 
who has really been that person? And it could still be your parents, but like who in your life can you look back and be like, man, I'm sitting in shade today because this person planted seeds long ago. Yes. Man, one of our good friends, you know him as well, Kenner, is Philip Bethencourt. Mm-hmm. He he taught me so much about discipleship and took me under his wing. And he had 10 times more going on than I did. And we'd go to Copy Bridge. We'd go to Wings and More. Half the reason I said yes to being discipled by him was because it meant free lunch every week. But he planted seeds that then other people have watered. And so I think he's one of the many. I think my grandfathers are, are a huge name on that list as well. And my uncle, he passed away suddenly four years ago and and his life was categorized by this this insane testimony of trying the world realizing it couldn't satisfy him looking everywhere but god and then being met by god and completely changed and he was 50 and left a legacy on my life and i cannot wait to see him again to thank him for that and so i could list 50 names and i think that's that's another thing if you're listening is you are amongst many others in a category of people who can impact others and can leave a legacy on other people. And so leaving this, it's not, I have to be everyone's healer or savior. That's not your role. And it's going to be an unrealistic expectation to meet that. But to Kenner's point, just in a small way, impacting someone's life for the better, that can compile and can compound over time. And that's where you just realize that obedience isn't always based on the outcome. Mm-hmm. And you may be planting seeds and it may take years for them to, to, to sprout and to grow, but it's going to be worth the waiting when you see it come to fruition. Yeah. And I think it's so important and something I want to encourage people with is like sometimes in order to move forward, we have to leave something behind. And yeah. that's kind of the scary part because we're oftentimes leaving something that's a certain for something that is uncertain. And I know that you talked about how important your grandparents were. One of the coolest things as I was hearing more about your life and your journey, I mean, you spent some time in Colorado with your grandparents and, you know, you climbed to the top of the mountain and you're throwing rocks off and you guys are enjoying some dinner. If you had to encourage somebody who's maybe holding a rock that's just so heavy for them to carry, this is a burden that they've been holding on to. If you were to encourage them to to lay off something or to pull one thing out of their backpack to help lighten the load, what would that be to help them to continue to move forward and take those steps? Man, two things. One, you're not what you've done. If, if, if you're listening and you think you've done something, said something, committed an action, made a decision that's unforgivable or unredeemable, that's a lie. And secondly, you're also not what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think at A&M, it's, it's easy to idolize involvement and to see our identity as our activity. And that can also be super detrimental to our leadership and to our health is thinking that I have to do more, behave better, perform higher, run faster, whatever the case may be. We have to understand that that our identity comes from something other than ourself. And we have been fearfully and wonderfully made and we are dust, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's like we're, we're this wonderful dust that's just here for a minute, but how we spend that minute changes everything. Yeah. And so, man, I've tried to run with baggage on. We ran with a suit on last week, and we were running. We're like, man, this would make a great illustration to yeah. talk about how you cannot pursue what's most important if you're held down by yeah. what's happened yesterday or all that you have going on today. Yeah, and I think so often we talked about how involvement – isn't everything. One of the things that I hope people realize is that busyness is totally different than accomplishment. Mm -hmm. 
you can be so busy. I think about a hamster running on a little hamster wheel. You can be running as hard as you want and you're going nowhere. Uh, the really big important thing ties back to the three P's that you mentioned at the very start, you know, understanding the intersection between our purpose, our passion, and our place. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we find that intersection, when we can find our purpose and not just in like who God says we are, but like, what are we trying to do? What are we, what legacy are we trying to leave? Getting really clear on the why. Yeah. I think you can accomplish a thousand hows if you can figure out one why. Mm-hmm. You know, then we talk about the importance of the the perp, the passion that we have, and how you know if you have you can have the biggest purpose, but if you have no fuel and no passion to get there, it doesn't matter. You're never getting off the ground. Yes. Yeah. And then also, obviously, the place and place I think is so important, not just where you are physically, but also who are you surrounding yourself with, who are helping fill that tank, fuel those passions, who are helping cast that vision of your purpose. Yeah. And when you can find the intersection of all those things, then I think you're able to to grow that passion and you're able to actually leave that legacy or start building that legacy that hopefully maybe not even your kids but the next generation and yes. the generation after that get to get to be a part of. So That's so good. Man, I love it. This is so good. I guess the final piece that I always love to leave everybody with is trying to figure out you know, as Aggies, as aspiring greats, we're looking to continue to grow. In your experience, what makes an Aggie great? Yeah. Oh, man. I think if I could boil it down to one, I would say that an Aggie who's great cares more about their eulogy than their resume mm. and sees their time at AM as an opportunity to prepare for the rest of their life, to leave AM better than they found it. And to have this this spirit of gratitude, right? Entitlement comes to AM and says, okay, I'm here so that AM can serve me. Gratitude comes in, bushy-eyed, excited, ambitious, tired of high school, uh, maybe spending some time at Blinn. You finally get on campus. And instead of saying AM's here to serve me, you say, I'm here to serve AM. Mm. And I'm here to make it better. I'm here to improve it. I'm here to again stand on the shoulders of the men and the women that these buildings are named after. That, that our classes talk about. And I want to be able to walk across the graduation stage in May exhausted, fatigued, maybe even crawling across <laughs> it, but with, with no doubt being able to look back and say I was grateful and I didn't do it perfectly and I made so many mistakes, but I, I can look back at my time here from 2020 to 2024 and realize that I cared more about what will be said at my funeral than just trying to get that job or just trying to get that promotion. I love that. Sam, you're so wise beyond your years and this has just been so fulfilling. And I and I for for those of you guys who are listening, I mean, I hope that you guys take a little bit of nuggets from this. And I hope that, man, one of the coolest things for me to realize is that we're all trying to figure it out as well. Sam and I don't have it all figured out, but I'm hoping that even if there was something that you guys took away from this episode, that it will help you guys in your goal and in your journey of not just fulfilling the AM, we talk about the Aggie uh, core values, but pursuing that selfless service and leaving that. I think there could be another L in the Relis framework of legacy uh, after talking today. But uh, Sam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. For you guys who are listening at home, we love you guys so much. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, thanks and giggle.